Welcome to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette, with your host Steve Garrett, MC and DJ at one of the largest Corvette weekends in the country, Corvette Fun Fest, president of the Corvette Club of Kansas City, Missouri, and radio disc jockey at the number one radio station in Kansas City for over 40 years. Here's Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast that talks about everything Corvette. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. I appreciate you tuning in. You can listen to Corvette Today on almost all podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, BeanPod, CastBox, TuneIn, and Stitcher. You can also listen on your smart device. Just say Alexa or Hey Google, play the podcast called Corvette Today, and you're connected. Also, visit the Corvette Today website. It's CorvetteTodayPodcast.com. You can also sign up for Corvette Today notifications, updates, and information at CorvetteToday.ck.page. And don't forget, join the Corvette Today Facebook group, too. We have over 1,400 members, and I'd love to have you as a member, too. First, I'd like to thank our flagship sponsors of Corvette today, Haltech Systems. Haltech makes the best cold air intake for your Corvette with world-class performance for your C5, C6, C7, and C8 Corvette. It's the quickest and fastest intake with no cutting or hacking. It's just plug-and-play and no throwing codes. Get your special Corvette Today discount of 11% off with the code CT11 online at HaltechSystems.com or call 262-965-4300. That's 11% off at H-A-L-L-T-E-C-H Systems.com or call them 262-965-4300 and get your Corvette Today discount of 11% off. Also, midenginecorvetteforum.com. If you'd like to join this new vibrant forum that focuses on the new mid-engine C8 Corvette, it's free to join this friendly community. My guest on Corvette today is the co-owner of Carlisle Events. He runs the largest Corvette weekend in the country called Corvettes at Carlisle. He's a race car driver. He's a surfer. He's Lance Miller. Lance, welcome to Corvette today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Hey, let's talk about the early days. You grew up in the automotive family. Talk about your introduction into the industry and how your dad, Chip Miller, played such an important part in that. That's actually a funny question because of the fact that I literally popped out and there I am in the car world. <laughs> I was saturated in it my whole life. And I mean that. My dad was just a total fanatic about vehicles as far as I can remember. I literally was born into it. And I'm thankful for it because of the people I've met. Like I said, my dad was just diehard, but very passionate about the hobby and the people behind it. Your dad started Carlisle Events with his friend, Bill Miller, who ironically is not, they're not related whatsoever. Talk about that relationship and how they got going. Sure. It was actually back in 1969. So this was before I was born. They met, they were just buddies. They both loved cars. They went to different car events. They went to AACA at one point in time and really had a great time. Then my dad decided to sell a 50, I believe it was a 55 Corvette at the time. He put a little posting on it saying, hey, this car's for sale. And each time they went back to the car after they were shopping for parts and what have you, they found that the paper was missing. So on that note, they step back and they're wondering, like, what's going on? Is somebody interested in the car and they're taking it down and then they're going to meet later? Who knows? So he kept putting up the note again. And the third or fourth time they went back, there was a group around the car. So what do you think when there's a group around a car? You're thinking, all right, we're going to sell it, right? Right. 
Well, unfortunately for him, it was the group telling them that they have to leave the show because the car was too new. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that didn't bode very well for my dad and Bill. And they drove home. And as they drove home, they said, you know, why don't we put on our own event? Now, again, this was 1973 time frame. They literally are driving home, come up with the idea of let's do our own car event. Well, that's what happened. That's how Carlisle events started. And that's how their friendship formed. Now, talk about the first event that they hosted. What was the name of that and when was it? Sure. It was called Post-War 74. So again, 73, they got kicked out of AACA. 74, they started up their very first show, and that was in the fall. So it was a little bit cooler. And of course, fall weather typically is crappy, rainy weather. Well, that's how it was for about three years. They endured the uh, pain of rain and mud and noticed that it kept growing and growing even with this terrible weather. So they knew they had something good going. That's pretty cool. Hey, originally Carlisle Fairgrounds was rented for Carlisle events. Talk about when you guys purchased the fairgrounds and all the updates that you've done to it. Sure. It was back in 81 is when my dad and Bill decided to purchase the grounds. And that came fairly easy. They were pushed into that decision, more or less. What happened was, like anywhere, the rent kept going up and up and up and up to the point that they said, you know, guys, we can buy our own facility at this number this rates out of hand. So at that point, they discussed it and said, we'd like to buy it. Can we do it? At the time, it was owned by a board. Thank goodness one of the biggest board members was a big advocate and behind my dad and Bill on what they've accomplished through the years and really helped the community at the same time. So sure enough, they make the pitch. They want to buy it. And of course, many of the smaller owners didn't want to sell it. Well, the big owner, thank goodness, really pushed it hard and they did end up buying the facility. So again, that was back in 1981 timeframe. As far as improvements, it's crazy. It was basically a horse track. They also had a fair there. The fair got very much out of hand, like a lot of fairs did back in the day. <laughs> so it didn't have that good of an image for the fair itself, per se. But then the car shows had a great reputation because people were there just organically having a good time. It really fulfilled a need for the car hobby. And at the same time, my dad and Bill would just constantly push money back into the facility Whereas before it had a horse racetrack, then all of a sudden they started paving roads through all the different facilities, such as the racetrack and what have you. It was kind of neat how it progressed. And when I talked about the mud in the early days, that changed a lot due to the fact of the paving. Now we have about 16 linear miles throughout the grounds that are paved. And fortunately, a lot of that was done through the turnpike when they tore that apart many years ago. Now, unfortunately, we have to go and continually update that. And we all know how much of that costs. It's just a fortune to do. How big are the fairgrounds now, Lance? Right now, it's about 100 acres. We do rent on top of our gate five is what we call it. So we rent a facility from the government and that's adjacent to our grounds. And if you include like IAC that we purchased about 10 years ago, it's about 150 acres, which is outside gate one. So it's a large facility in the middle of a nice borough. Talk about some of the other events that go on besides Corvettes at Carlisle. That's one of the bigger ones, I'm sure. But you do how many events during the year? Absolutely. We do eight events a year and we also do a few auctions as well. It keeps us busy, I'll tell you that. There's so many great events and it's pretty wild to see the diversity of each one and the different cultures that fit in each one. For instance, we obviously have a Ford show. Blue Oval people are diehard, love it, just like the Corvette people. It's a great community. 
Of course, we have Chrysler as well, Mopar. Our truck show is always a great one. I love seeing the young children come out because they want to come out and see the monster trucks crushing all the cars. We have this thing called Robosaurus, and what it does is rip apart these cars and then breathe fire. So kids love it. It's just entertainment, fun, and the list goes on. Spring and fall are our two largest events. Again, we mentioned earlier, starting with our fall show. It's definitely our largest events, and that basically correlates with a whole bunch of vendors throughout our facilities. Anything and absolutely everything auto part related is there and cars for sale. That's really cool. We're going to take a quick break, but in segment number two, we're going to talk more about what goes on in present day Carlisle events. You're listening to Corvette Today, the podcast. Hey, honey, are you awake? Mm, I am now. I can't sleep. Since turning 50, I keep dreaming of a red door and a blue door, somehow knowing there are only choices for retirement. Okay. Through the red door, we outlive our money. We have to rely on our kids. We're stuck on a fixed income. It's terrifying. Yeah, that would suck. But through the blue door, our money outlives us. We retire on our terms. Our kids stay our kids, not our caretakers. We make work optional. Yes, that's much better. That's what I want too. But what do we do? We call True Wealth and Company at 913-653-8783. They specialize in helping successful people make work optional. They're our fiduciary Blue Door personal wealth managers. Hey, where are you going? It's 3 a.m. I can't sleep. I'm going to check out True Wealth and Company online at retirewithtrue.com. That Blue Door is going to be our retirement. 913-653-8783. Visit us online at retirewithtrue.com. Investment advice offered through True Wealth and Company, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Kansas. And now, back to Corvette Today with your host and my husband, Steve Garrett. Thanks for listening to Corvette Today. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. My guest today is Lance Miller, the co-owner of Carlisle Events and the world-famous Corvettes at Carlisle. Lance, your dad and Bill Miller coined the term collector cars, which I think is really, really cool. Tell everybody how that came up and the term that they coined. Well, the funny thing is when they started the events back in 74, nobody truly had a term for collector cars. So they just called them cars, you know? Right. So my dad and Bill decided, hey, why not just dub it literally collector cars? And that's what they did. There was a lot of terms such as antique cars. That term they obviously didn't like considering they got kicked out of a car show that was antique cars. So collector cars made sense. Interesting fact, too, they also dubbed Car Corral. So that was something that they started. They just had a corral of cars and they decided, hey, let's call it car corral. So that was something else that was neat back in the day that they put together and decided, let's coin it. That's really cool. I mean, that's kind of trend setting. That's really, really neat. Hey, talk about how Corvette became such a big part of your life and your family's life. Well, that's easy. Like I said, I was totally born into it. I can tell you how my dad got into Corvettes. He's a youngster. He's sitting on the curb and he's reading through magazines. And this magazine that he found on the ground, literally just sitting on a curb, and he found this Corvette that was a feature and he fell head over heels. And that was the first time he ever saw a Corvette. That was the first time that he had to decide himself, say, okay, I need to go out and see these cars. So I remember him telling me that he went to a Chevrolet dealership just sat there and gazed at the beauty of the Corvette. And he just knew that was it. That was his car. So he just fell head over heels as far as falling in love with a car. Kind of like when we fall in love with a woman, right? <laughs> right. That's a cool story. I mean, it's so random that he'd find a magazine on the corner, pick it up and look at it and say, that's my car. Yep. And that's exactly how it all started for him. That's amazing. In a non-pandemic environment, how big is Corvettes at Carlisle? Corvettes at Carlisle, and and I'm glad you said (laughs) (laughs) non-pandemic. This year was a little difficult. Plus, we had a hurricane come up. 
But nevertheless, in previous years, we've had 60,000 plus people come through our facility for Corvettes at Carlisle. The neat part about Corvettes at Carlisle is it's low-key, it's fun, and it's all about the people. It's the people that are driving the cars, hang out, have a good time, enjoy the camaraderie of it all. And that's truly what my dad's vision was with Corvettes at Carlisle. And all I do is continue that. Fortunately, I have Jody Morrison, who is my right hand, helped me quite a bit throughout the actual planning stages, which is awesome. And I wish my dad had it back in the day. That's really cool. It's good to have somebody that you can rely on and count on to pull things through and make things happen. Oh, without a doubt. I'm very fortunate. Corvettes at Carlisle was one of the only Corvette events this year to happen. Talk about the event this year during the COVID pandemic. Sure. This year was definitely challenging just due to the fact, I believe, the demographic of Corvette owners, let's face it, it is a tad older. So we knew we were going to get hit fairly hard. But at the same time, the people that came out realized, hey, Carlisle Events did a great job at really taking this seriously. And we had to, you know, we realized that this is a deadly deal that's going on here. And it's something that we have to take very seriously. So we followed all the CDC guidelines and the rules, regulations, we applied them, and even went above and beyond. I mean, we had a ton of wash stations throughout telling people literally every telephone pole had to stay six feet apart, blah, 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 wash your hands. You know, we went through the whole list and it really worked for us. And I think people appreciated the fact that we went above and beyond. In fact, on social media and what have you, I was fortunate enough to read a lot of raving reviews about what we've done. It makes you feel good because our team put it all together and people felt safe for those that came. Now, of course, many stayed home and certainly I don't look down upon that because I understand if you're at risk, stay home or if you're sick, stay home. We get it. Well, it makes sense. And it sounds like it was still a great, successful event in spite of the pandemic. Oh, we were very fortunate. You know, the downside was on Saturday, there was a lot of media pushing out that there's a bad hurricane coming inland. Well, of course, it diverted and didn't even hit us. We got a little bit of rain in the morning, and then it was just a beautiful, stellar day. So a lot of people left knowing that we were going to get walloped by this so-called hurricane. Oh, my gosh. Which never hit. That's the nature of doing live events, I guess, right? Outdoor live events. It's a roll of the dice, isn't it? <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. We're going to take a quick break, but in segment number three, we're going to talk more about Lance's father, Chip Miller. We're going to talk about the cars and the documentary called The Quest. You're listening to Corvette Today, the podcast. If you're looking for top quality aftermarket parts for your C2 through C7, and especially your new C8 Corvette, look no further than Apsis USA. We are a leader in aftermarket parts, especially parts made in carbon fiber. Whether it's for your interior, exterior, or engine bay, Apsis USA can custom make nearly any part you want in leather, carbon fiber, or carbon flash. Plus, we have custom parts for your new C8 Corvette that no other company has. Visit our website at apsisusa.com or call toll-free at 1-800-68-APSIS. That's 1-800-682-7747. Call and get the special Corvette Today discount of 10% off your order. We'll help you customize your Corvette to give it that one-of-a-kind look. So when you want the best, look to the leader in aftermarket interior, exterior, and engine bay parts for your Corvette. APSIS USA at APSISUSA.com. Don't forget, call today and get your 10% discount when you mention the Corvette Today podcast. 
VetFinders.com is the Internet's original Corvette classified ads website with classified ads starting at just $25. And every ad runs until your Corvette is sold. If you're in the market for a Corvette, VetFinders.com has over 500 Corvettes for sale from all around the USA and Canada and covering all eight generations. Visit VetFinders.com, the Internet's destination for buying and selling Corvettes. That's V-E-T-T-E Finders.com. You're listening to the Corvette Today Podcast with Steve Garrett. Hey, thanks for listening to Corvette Today, the podcast. I'm your host, Steve Garrett. My guest today is Lance Miller, the co-owner of Carlisle Events, and the biggest Corvette show in the world is Corvettes at Carlisle. And that just happened, as a matter of fact. We talked about that in segment number two. But in segment number three, Lance, let's talk more about your dad, Chip. Talk about him and his influence on your life and talk about what he passed away from. Sure, I'd be happy to talk about that. My dad was my best friend. He was a mentor. He was just a phenomenal guy. It's funny to talk to various people just as I walk through Corvettes at Carlisle, for instance. I hear so many people come up and just say, your dad was the best. And the funny thing is, they aren't kidding. He was such a good person. Deep down, he was an amazing person. I was very fortunate to have him as a father. It's funny, growing up, you take everything for granted. You know, it's just there. Well, I had the best father in the world, I feel. And he truly was. I mean, I didn't realize it till later. Many of my friends never had that relationship. Yet, when you're a kid growing up, you don't notice that. You know, you just notice all your buddies are over at your house all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't think about that, but that's cool. You know, all your friends are there. But I noticed later, I rarely went to their house. And I figured out why later in life, upon my dad's passing in 2004 from amyloidosis, I literally watched my best friend take his last breath of fresh air. And I mean, it totally destroyed me. And immediately upon his passing, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy life. There's so much stuff that we get hung up on every day. And for me, my dad truly didn't have the time. He passed at the age of 61. I remember him laying in his bed and I was out playing on the computer. And at one point he said, Lance, you know, I really envy you. You always travel. You always go out and have a good time. You surf. You make sure you travel a bunch. He's like, that's something that I really wish I've done. And I'm going to make it a point to do later. Well, unfortunately, like I said earlier, he passed away. So he didn't have that opportunity. And it really stuck upon me. Go out, do it. If you want to do something, you crave to do something, do it. We have one go around. And who knows when that last moment will be for all of us. So for me, he was just a true inspiration. And I don't say that lightly. He was a best friend. One instance of an area that I'll never, ever forget was when I went to college. My dad and I zipped down to college in a Viper, by the way. Wow. And we're cruising down and we're just having the time of our lives, literally cruising around, talking to all my new friends that I'm meeting at school. And he's just one of the guys hanging out with me. Didn't think anything of it. Just my dad, my buddy, hang out, have a blast. All of a sudden, I'll never forget, I'm in my dorm room with the five other guys and they had rolled out and I said goodbye to my dad and I hugged him. And we both looked at each other and we both had tears in our eyes. And it was like that moment of like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be hanging out every day. It was really, really weird. It still hits me today. I miss him dearly. He was a great person, but at the same time, best friend. 
taught me a ton about cars. Early days, my dad actually pushed me away from cars, believe it or not. He didn't know he was doing this, but we had a bunch of cars in our basement. And of course, there's pinball machines with Corvettes all over them. (laughs) So I'd go down there with my friends and we'd play. And I remember my dad always saying, make sure you don't mess with the cars. Don't mess with the cars. So it was almost like, damn cars, why does he always push me away from these stupid cars? (laughs) For me, it was almost a deterrent. So with my daughter now, I'm always like, get in there. I don't care. I can deal with it. She puts her hands all over the place. I'll clean it up. Not a big deal. And I want to make sure that she's not pushed away. Later, boy, did it ever bite me. (laughs) Bite me hard. I certainly love cars today. That all changed once I was able to drive them and actually abuse them a little bit and have fun and see what they're capable of. Hey, you're also the president of the Chip Miller Charitable Foundation. Talk more about that foundation and what its mission is. Sure, absolutely. Well, as I had mentioned to you earlier, my dad was a best friend. And again, I can't tell you enough that I don't take that lightly to the point that my mom immediately upon his passing said, let's start up a foundation and get the word out about amyloidosis. Amyloidosis is something that I've never heard of. And quite frankly, I couldn't even say it early on. So it Took me a while to even figure out how to how to say the word amyloidosis. Unfortunately, as I'm reading about this terrible disease, I learned a lot that it's very deadly and that you have to take things very seriously. And my dad's there wholeheartedly like, you know, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this. And I'm reading about it. I'm like, this is really bad stuff. What it is is abnormal protein that builds up on your organs. Now, of course, all of us want protein in our body. Unfortunately, you don't want abnormal. What happens is it latches onto your organs and it doesn't go away. So it continually builds up, builds up, builds up. And then, of course, you could block up your arteries or things won't function. In my dad's case, it ended up being his heart. He had the biggest heart, a heart of gold. And unfortunately, that's what was taken. So it's a very dangerous disease. And ways that you can figure it out that I've learned is for him, I saw like water retaining in his ankles, for instance, if he was standing. If he'd sit on his butt, his butt would actually swell up with water. Wow. So there were little things that were telltales, but unfortunately, none of the doctors even knew. So again, we're going to roll back around to the Corvette world here. And one of his good friends, Paul Noble, who is a doctor, happens to be at a car show. Go figure. And he says, Chip, did you check for amyloidosis by chance? You know, a lot of the symptoms that you're saying resemble this. So he immediately went on. Then he found a doctor and got checked for amyloidosis. And sure enough, that's what it was. So Paul was the one that pointed it out. And again, that came from the car community. So it was good to find out. But at the same time, just a horrible, horrible disease that took his life. Like I said, my family and myself just can't thank everybody enough for all their support. I can't believe the foundation is still going because of the fact you hear so many bad things about after three years, they just shut down because there's just not enough effort behind them. But I believe the love that people have of my father, including myself, my family, and many of the board members, they want to continue to help. And I'm grateful for everybody's support. You had asked about the mission as well. That's basically empowering people with the knowledge and understanding of amyloidosis for earlier detection, ensuring a better quality of life for those afflicted with the disease and to help science find the cures. Now, obviously it's deadly, as I told you, and we do everything in our might to accomplish that mission. Very cool, what a worthy, worthy cause. In getting ready for our podcast today, Lance, I watch a YouTube video of all of your cars that you have in your collection and your prized possession. And we've talked about this car before on the Corvette Today podcast is the 1960 Le Mans number three car. Talk about that prized possession Corvette. 
Well, that's a car. It's funny. That's my dad's dream car, really. He loved Corvettes. He loved all Corvettes, but he really loved racing cars. And he really, really loved racing cars with tremendous history. To him, that was the best Corvette in the world. In fact, I'm happy to say that too. I believe the car is the best Corvette to own in the world. Why? Because it's the very first Corvette to ever win its class at Le Mans back in 1960. Bob Grossman and John Fitch were the two drivers, true warriors. <laughs> I was fortunate to get to know John Fitch. So I was very lucky to get to know one of the drivers. Unfortunately, Bob Grossman had passed away prior to my meeting. It's just a great car. It's beautiful. It's rich in history. Who doesn't love a solid axle Corvette with the Cunningham blue stripes down the center, white Corvette? Oh, my gosh. It's phenomenal. I love the car. It's just sexy. Now, I've had Michael Brown and Kevin McKay on the Corvette Today podcast. Talk about how you acquired that number three Le Mans car and getting it to Le Mans. And then talk about also the documentary called The Quest and the restoration of the car. That was a huge deal. That is. That's a loaded question. But boy, you had <laughs> Michael Brown and Kevin McKay on. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, sir. They talked about that number three Le Mans car as well. But I want to hear it from your end because you're the owner of the car and it was a true quest to get it, restore it, and then take it back to Le Mans. I don't know if people will remember hearing that on those other podcasts, but tell the whole story because it's truly amazing. It is. Michael Brown's a phenomenal guy. So is Kevin McKay. They're just great, great people. We have a lot of fun just jabbing one another, so it's fun to pick on each other. But at the same time, we all have a lot of respect for one another and our perspective fields. So I believe if you look at the backgrounds, Michael Brown, for instance, the video background, he's unbelievable. The storyteller, the, he's just superb. I can't believe the work that he's accomplished through his lifetime. Kevin McKay speaks for himself. I mean, just look at the 1960 Cunningham Corvette. That's just one of the many incredible pieces of artwork that he's accomplished and restored. I don't have enough good to say about those two gentlemen. So on that note, you had mentioned, how did it all start? Well, I told you earlier, my dad had a vision of owning the very best Corvette in the world. He felt that was a 1960 Le Mans Corvette. Kevin McKay is a person that will dive in like a bulldog and try and find whatever you want. So on that note, when it happens to be Corvettes, he's really going to dive in because that's his true passion, as I'm sure your followers have found out. He was on a mission to find my dad that Corvette. Well, sure enough, he kept sending letters to Lamar. And what happened was it took him many years of trying to accomplish this. What he was trying to do is get the VIN numbers of each of the cars that ran that, from the United States. So really, all he wanted were the Corvettes that ran at Lamar. Why? Because of an obvious reason. It obviously builds value because of the fact truly Kevin and my dad had a vision that was kind of a lot more years ahead of themselves than I think majority of the people out there. Right now, a lot of people realize the significance of race history at Le Mans. And back then, I don't believe it was nearly uh, as big of a deal. Now, more than ever, if it has Le Mans background, boom, it's a cherished vehicle. And it's, it's essentially been to the Super Bowl. It's it. It's the holy grail. Right. So on that note, Kevin, after many efforts reaching out to Lamar, finds out, okay, oh my gosh, they sent me a list of cars. So he digs right into it and he realizes, okay, here's the number three VIN number, finds the person, continually calls this person to try and purchase the car. Of course, the gentleman doesn't want to sell the car. Many years later, he decides, okay, today's the day. He was a pilot, and I think he had a crappy day of just flying. 
the car wasn't the most comfortable vehicle to drive around in. So he decided, you know what? Today's the day. I'm going to call up Kevin and I'm going to sell the car to him. And sure enough, Kevin calls up my dad in the middle of the night and says, Chip, I got the car. And my dad knew. <laughs> He's jumping up and down for joy. My mom's like, oh my gosh, you got the car. You got the car. Amazing. Yeah, it was very, very cool. I mean, it, it just, it's awesome. I'm so grateful that he was able to accomplish this during his lifetime because truly this was something that he wanted and cherished and he pulled it off. So within that time frame, once he obtained the car, they got it back. It was a stock Corvette. It was red with white coves. And of course, my dad wanted to take this car back to the way it raced at Le Mans. When I say my dad's a stickler, that's an understatement. Incredibly <laughs> anal. He was all about having perfection. And the cool part is with he and Kevin working together, it's honestly scary to think because Kevin is meticulous as well. True. Those two were on the phone every single day, all the time. That's all they talk about. It drove us nuts. But it was cool because of the fact, truly, it was his dream, just being built and everything was happening and he was so excited. So to give you an idea, this was about the 2002 timeframe, 2003 comes along and Kevin's just about done the car. They're unveiling it in different scenarios where at Corvettes of Carlisle, for instance, they had the car lifted up about four feet in the air and you could see the bodywork just hanging there that was undone. You could see where the car was hit, just showcasing what the car was and how important this car is to a piece of history of Le Mans and Corvette. So it was really neat the way they went about it, just because of the fact that it wasn't just like, okay, here's the car, it's done. They actually went through and showed it in different stages. And in fact, when my dad and, and Kevin had the car for the first time, they unveiled it and had a bunch of their friends come and make sure and verify the car is what it was. So that was exciting as well. So finally, the car's done. My dad's so excited. And I mean, talk about a piece of just beautiful artwork. You couldn't find a blemish on this car. I mean, it was unbelievable to the point of the little latches that keep the hood down, Yeah, hood pins. Well, I believe they were sent back. It was either four, I'd have to verify this with Kevin, but regardless, four or five times because they just weren't right. They had a person from Ferrari making them because Ferrari are notorious for those hood latches, but it just wasn't right. They kept blowing up the pictures, making sure that everything was spot on with this particular car because that's the way my dad wanted it. And I know that's the way Kevin wanted it. So they stopped at nothing to get it perfect. The neat thing is it's exactly the way the car was. And I can verify that because I was sitting in the seat next to John Fitch in that car and I specifically asked that question. He goes, son, it's exactly the same. I mean, it just blew me away. I still get chills thinking about it. It's amazing what they've accomplished and brought the car back to identically the way it should be today. Fortunately for me, I'm the lucky caretaker for this car for a little bit. We're all caretakers in this world with these cars. Eventually that history moves on. Will it be my daughter Ella someday? Who knows? It's an amazing piece of history and we're very fortunate to have it in our collection. And I love sharing the car. It's great. It's an amazing piece of history for Corvette. Now, talk about when you took the car back to Le Mans, it was the 50th anniversary, and you ran a parade lap. And in the video, I saw you sitting next to John Fitch driving around Le Mans. I most certainly will go there. It was the coolest trip of my life. I was very fortunate. The ironic thing is, this is one of my dad's final dreams. He actually wrote it down in one of our event magazines. And I know it's on video as well somewhere, and I need to find that. 
But he absolutely wanted to take this car back to Le Mans for its 50th anniversary, which was the year 2010. Now, as we had mentioned earlier, 2004, my dad passed away. My mom and myself, I talked about, I said, mom, I've got to take this car to Le Mans. It just has to happen. We have to fulfill his dream. So she goes, well, make it happen. She's like, I know you're not going to stop. So just go ahead, do it. It'll be cool. Well, you know, all of a sudden the bills are coming in. I'm like, what am I doing? And the time involved in something like this is just absurd. So I'm jumping in. I'm talking to Chevrolet at the time. And I'm saying, guys, here's what I want to do. I just want to have the car over there. I want to showcase it. It's a big part of history. It's very important that it's there. And of course, you know, you get everything locked in. What year was it when GM filed for the bankruptcy? I'm sorry, when they were talking about bankruptcy, it was 2006, 2007 timeframe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, maybe 2008 even. Okay. I know it was sometime in there. Around that time frame is when I had to call all my contacts, which a lot of them had to depart. And at the same time, Pratt and Miller didn't know what they were doing at the time. They didn't know if they'd be racing or not in 2010 because everything just blew apart at that time frame. It was just a horrible time, as we all know. I'll never forget just talking to Pratt and Miller straight up. I said, guys, are you going to be able to take the car to Le Mans in 2010? You said that you were going to, but at this point in time, I understand. They said, you know what? Just make your own plans at this point in time, which was great because at that point I knew I'm going to get the car there regardless if Corvette's there or not racing that particular year. You know, I did it. I just took it upon myself, got everything set up, and it was much easier for me to do than relying on others because I knew it was going to get done. It was a lot of excitement. Basically, my dad's dream was to get the car there, showcase it 50 years later, and everything went above and beyond. For instance, when the car finally arrived at Le Mans, a gentleman was the shipper of the car. He just kept me apprised of what was going on every minute, which was great. His family was sitting in the car. They knew the history that was involved with all this. He took the car over to Le Mans, and they have this beautiful museum. And the museum asked if they could keep the car there for the short time period that it's waiting for us. And I said, absolutely. It'd be an honor to have the car there. Little did I know that it would be a true, true honor because the vehicles that were in this museum were unbelievable. I never saw anything like it, in fact. So I'm walking through looking at all these race cars that won Le Mans through all these years. And I literally was like floored. I couldn't believe the vehicles. Just envision somebody that's super passionate about racing and racing cars and the team history, all that stuff, seeing all these cars in one spot. Well, that's where our Le Mans car sat. I couldn't believe it when I walked through. When I say the cars were tight, it's an understatement. These cars were literally inches apart. That's how tight it was in this museum. So one, I'm fortunate to have the car in there. But secondly, as I go through and look at all these cars, I'm blown away. And I see where ours is located way in the back. And, you know, I'm with John Fitch, Michael Brown, Kevin McKay, Jan Hyde, a few other people that came along with us. And we're all just floored with this museum. And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm a logistical guy because obviously car shows, we have to put things together and think of details. I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get this car out? I literally have to get it out in less than an hour. And I'm like in awe looking at all these beautiful cars. I could have spent days in this museum. But instead, my mind triggers to, all right, I got to get this car out of here. And they're like, well, can't you just leave it in here? You know, I'm like, no, no. And keep in mind, there's obviously a language barrier. And the gentleman that's, you know, in charge of the museum is telling me that they'd like to keep it longer. And I'm like, no, 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 we got to pull this car out now. Like, it's got to come out. I'm going to a car show that I promised the car will be shown at, which is in the middle of, I forget the name of the town, but it was an amazing venture. 
And I'm sure maybe if you mentioned it to Kevin McKay, there's a great story about us driving through Le Mans without a license plate, literally just driving a race car through town to this car show. And we completely got lost. And Kevin's not the most notorious guy when it comes to technology. I'd say he's technology challenged and be happy to, <laughs> to say that. Yes. So I'm like, Kevin, we need navigation. And he's like, I don't know. We don't have navigation. Don't worry. We'll be fine. I'm like, we're not going to be fine. I can't even read the names of the streets. <laughs> I'm going to rattle on about stories because as they pop into my mind, I'll continue to rattle. So I apologize if I'm boring your, your no, podcast. No, keep going. So as I'm driving, I'm literally yelling at Kevin because I'm like, Kevin, we got to find out where we're going. Like literally, I'm driving a legally through France. I have no idea where I'm going, but I'm supposed to be at a car show at a certain time. So I see this yellow Corvette go by me. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to follow that guy. Kevin's like, well, how do you know he's going there? I'm like, how many Corvettes are in France that aren't going to this event? I'm like, I'm going to follow this car. So we did followed him, followed him, followed him. He pulls into a parking lot. I get out, I walk over and some guy goes, Lance Miller. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know somebody here. So <laughs> when we say it's a small world, it's a small world. So this gentleman's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm taking this car. I need to go to this show. The guy's like, I'll take you there. I'll have somebody take you there. He had somebody show for me to this event. And it was just awesome. It was such a cool experience. Kevin McKay is by my side. As I had mentioned, I tried to do that at each juncture of what we did. For instance, we did a tour with all the special drivers leading up. They call it the parade, uh, the pilots. That's it. The pilots is what they call the drivers over there. We're driving through and I have John Fitch by my side handing out little cards that he had signed and what have you. And we went through thousands of these things. The whole thing was so wild. And to have different people by my side at different junctures, my mom was beside me at one point. Literally, I do. I have chills right now talking about it. It was such an amazing experience. And the stories could go on and on and on. But the best story was certainly John Fitch by my side. And he was the only one that drove the car other than me during that trip. And that was when we lined up to go around a parade lap right prior to the race of Le Mans. And I got to tell you, I mean, it just blew me away because of the fact it became my dream to get that car around the track and then to have John Fitch driving around. I mean, think about that. 50 years prior, this car won its class at Le Mans, and now we're going to do a parade lap 50 years later with the original driver at the age of 92. It's just magical, and everything came together for a reason. And Michael Brown documented all this with the documentary called The Quest. Well, that's the best part. Michael Brown hits me up at Barrett Jackson a couple years prior, and he said, hey, I, I'm told I need to get to know you just to do a video of your collection because I'm doing videos of collections. I said, sure, anytime. Well, Michael Brown comes out and didn't know him from Adam. We became incredibly good friends through the years, obviously. I didn't know him at all. Like I said, he came, he took videos of the cars. The last car that we went over was the Le Mans car. I told him the history. I told him that I was going to take it to Le Mans. And he just kind of put the camera down. He goes, so how are you going to video and document all this stuff when you go to Le Mans? And I pulled my phone out of my pocket. And I said, right here, man, I'm going to take pictures. <laughs> and he just shakes his head and he goes, so if I were to do a documentary, would you be willing if I just follow your every move and then I'll have rights to it? And would you be willing to do that? I put my hand out, shook it, and that was it. I mean, we never had a signed contract. We didn't have any of that fun stuff. He lived up and beyond to his words. And I tell people this frequently. We had an unveiling of it in May of the Quest documentary. And when we launched it, Michael had kept calling me prior. He said, hey, I'd really like you to read over what this movie's about. And here's the dialogue. And I said, I really don't want to read it. And not to disrespect you, 
I want to see it when everybody else sees it. He's like, well, I can send you the video. You can watch. And I'm like, no, I want to see it with everybody. I want it to be a surprise for all of us. In my mind, that's just what I wanted. Now, keep in mind, I don't know Michael Brown that well at this point in time, other than I really got to know him at Lama, obviously, but I don't know his work that well. And sure enough, it was incredible. The movie, it blew me away. The craziest part was just the way he captured it and really made the car the hero, along with John Fitch being the star. They deserve all the accolades, and it was just amazing to just be a small part of this and to have Michael Brown encapsulate it into one movie. I'm so grateful. I keep saying to myself, I got to have my daughter watch it again because I don't think she quite understood it when she was younger. It's hard to sit down a 12-year-old and say, hey, you need to watch this. But she really does. She needs to watch it again because it's amazing how he got everything out about the vehicle, the history. Quite frankly, I've never seen anything like it for any other vehicle out there. So I'm very, very grateful to have it as just a keepsake at the same time to share with others. It's amazing. It is amazing, and it's a wonderful, wonderful piece of work that Michael put together for you because the story is just absolutely incredible of how you found the car, how Kevin restored the car, how you took it to Lama, how you got John Fitch at 92 years old to drive a parade lap around Lama, and the whole story is just fantastic. Lance, if someone wants to get a hold of you, how can they do that, especially if they want to find out more about Corvettes at Carlisle? What's your email, website, all your contact information? You can visit carlisleevents.com. Again, carlisleevents.com. And of course, if you want to find out more about amyloidosis, which I'd encourage, by all means, stop by chipmiller.org. Again, chipmiller.org. And as far as getting a hold of me, race Lance, go figure, right? R-A-C-E-L-A-N-C-E at gmail.com. That's perfect. That's a great email. That's so appropriate. <laughs> Lance, thanks for being my guest on Corvette today. I really appreciate your time. The stories are just fantastic. Thanks for having me. And thanks once again to our flagship sponsors of Corvette today, Haltech Systems. Don't forget to use your 11% off discount with the code CT11 at haltechsystems.com or call 262-965-4300. Also, Apsis USA. Call Apsis USA or go online at APSIS USA and get a 10% discount when you mention Corvette Today. You've been listening to Corvette Today with Steve Garrett. If you'd like to contact Steve with any thoughts on the podcast or ideas for guests on Corvette Today, you can email him at stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. That's stevegarrettdj at gmail.com. Garrett has two R's and two T's. Or connect with Steve on social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using at Steve Garrett DJ. Thanks again for listening to Corvette Today.